Hang on there one second. Let's go ahead and take a minute to pay the bills. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I find background music? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places that you like to listen to podcasts? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every single one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and 100% ridiculously easy to use. So if you're always wanted to start a podcast, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. The following podcast has not been rated. Listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fact. And here's your host, CJ Newman. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fact. This episode is a continuation of earlier this week's episode in which we talked about the draft. So let's just go ahead and continue and pick up where we left off as far as my evaluation of the draft. Earlier this offseason, for some ungodly reason, and which I will probably never figure out why, the New York Giants decided to trade their best player on their team, Odell Beckham Jr., to the Cleveland Browns, and compensation for that was this pick here, number 17. That was at least part of it. So uh, with the number 17 pick, the New York Giants selected Dexter Lawrence, defensive tackle out of Clemson. An ACC player, pretty good up-the-gut kind of guy who can stop the run. Not a bad pick. I can't complain about it. I think it's a... uh, Really nice selection by them, and hopefully moving forward will serve them well. They could have went in other directions, though, so I'm a little surprised by this. This is honestly where New York should have drafted their next quarterback, and still looking at the board, Dwayne Haskins went off the board, but still available was Drew Locke, who didn't even go until the second round, which was a little shocking in itself. I thought that uh, Denver would have took him, or at least traded back into the first round to get him, but Drew Locke is a way better pick than whoever the hell the New York Giants selected. This bullshit. I, I still don't get it. I know I bitched about this all last episode, but I don't think Daniel Jones is an NFL caliber quarterback. That's my opinion. That's a lot of people's opinions. And it was a horrible decision by the New York Giants to select him. I'm still on that. I'm still salty about it, even though I'm not even a Giants fan. I don't give a shit, but still, for the integrity of the draft, you got to pick the best player available, in my opinion, and they didn't do that. They picked based on need, and they picked based on... I don't even know what the fuck they picked based on. It's it's fucked up. They, they messed up. They need to own it. 
there's no accolades next to this guy's name. I'm still in awe. Now, number 18, I think this is a steal of the draft right here. This is actually the person I wanted to see go to Baltimore, but ended up going to the Minnesota Vikings. Garrett Bradbury, the center out of NC State. He was the 2018 Dave Remington Trophy winner, and he is a hell of a mauler on the offensive line. So this center is really good at doing the blocking of the run and of the pass. So I really can't complain about this pick. I Like I said, I wanted him for the Ravens because we need a center badly. The Ravens uh, definitely need help on the offensive line, but I think the Minnesota Vikings definitely need that too. They all have a bunch of turnstiles there at the offensive line. So Minnesota Vikings have got to be happy. Kirk Cousins have got to be happy. And I think it was a great pick here for them to go ahead and select Garrett Bradbury. Um, I'm surprised he made it to number 18, to be honest with you. I was really hoping he'd make it to number 22, but well, shit happens, I guess. Uh, number 19 was the Tennessee Titans, Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle out of Mississippi state. I really don't know too much about this sec player to be quite honest with you. So I'm not even going to try the other Iowa tight end went next to the Denver Broncos. Great pick in my opinion. Um, Noah Fant. He is, um, he's, the worst of the two tight ends that came out of Iowa, and that's saying something. It's it's really not that bad of a situation if you got one of those two players. So good for uh, Denver to be able to get another weapon for either Joe Flacco or Drew Locke, whoever's going to be starting this season. I If I had the gun to my head right now, I'd say that uh, Joe Flacco is going to start the entire season unless he gets hurt. And then you may see Drew Locke for the rest of the season, regardless of if Joe Flacco is able to return or not. Just like what happened with the Baltimore Ravens situation where uh, Joe Flacco went down for just two or three games and then it became the Lamar Jackson show. So Joe may be signing up for the same goddamn thing that he signed up for last year. Who knows? A bit of a head scratcher at the next position with the Green Bay Packers trading up with Seattle so that they could land their safety out of Maryland, Darnell Savage Jr. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Maryland fan. I go to Maryland. Uh, Actually, I'm graduating from Maryland in uh, just two weeks. So I completely understand the roster. Darnell is actually a pretty damn good safety, but there are other positions. There are other players I would have taken at number 20. Honestly, I thought that Darnell Savage was going to go into the second round undrafted. I'm not, not undrafted, but... Uh, take it in the second round as opposed to in the first round. So I was a little confused by this picture. Um, it, it makes sense that Green Bay needs this, but I feel like they could have traded up in the second round and still got the same player for the same cost or even less of a cost. And this is where Seattle really started to pick up some steam here. They came into the draft with just five picks. Uh, I believe it was two in the first round, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, and then maybe one in the sixth or something silly like that. They ended up having 11 picks at the end of the night. It was amazing. So they really started to turn the tide here and uh, went from having the least amount of draft capital in the draft to the most amount of draft capital in the draft. The Baltimore Ravens were due to be the number 22nd pick, but somehow uh, due to the magic of Eric DaCosta, were able to trade back just a few spots from 22 to 25 uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles who selected Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle out of Washington state. And they certainly help on the offensive line, just like the next pick did. Um, you got the Houston Texans selecting Titus Howard, the offensive tackle out of Alabama State. So um, both teams 
have pretty mobile quarterbacks, and both teams definitely need help on the offensive line. Uh, just need a little bit of time to buy for those mobile quarterbacks to do their thing and run around in the pocket and possibly scramble out of the pocket. But you still need a uh, offensive line to be able to buy that time for you so that you can get the ball down the field a little further. And it makes a lot of sense for these two positions um, or these two teams, especially the Houston Texans who have no help on the offensive line. They really need somebody to solidify that left tackle position and then start building beyond that. I wouldn't be surprised if they started doing some trades this offseason to try to fill up that offensive line with uh, bigger, stronger maulers in this offseason. And the same goes for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not going to be shocked. They definitely need some help there, and it's it's showing. Hang on, guys. Let me go ahead and put on my shocked voice for the Oakland Raiders' next pick. Uh, the Oakland Raiders got from Chicago a first-round pick for the trade of their uh, edge rusher, Khalil Mack. So... With this pick, uh, let me uh, surprise you guys here, give you a little bit of a spoiler. They chose Josh Jacobs, a running back out of Alabama. Oh, my God. They chose a running back. Wow. At this position, at number 24 in the draft. Oh, man. Let me. I'm so shocked. Oh, my goodness. Every fucking mock draft I read had Josh Jacobs going at number 24. No trading required to the Oakland Raiders. Nobody else seemed to need a running back at the at any of these positions prior to number 24 and not a single running back was taken for the rest of round one either. So it makes sense that Oakland would be the team that has so far uh, taken Cleveland Farrell uh, at number four, which was a, the shocker of the night aside from Daniel Jones and then going ahead and taking the first running back of the draft at number 24. So leave it to Oakland to do unconventional things and really fuck up the draft for all i know these could be hall of fame guys but at the same time they're going very unconventional here they could have traded back and gotten the same people and gotten more picks and been able to draft more people but it doesn't make sense to me why they're doing what they're doing i don't know it's either mike mayock or john gruden making the calls here i can't tell which one is doing it i would go with john gruden at this point but they're fucking up so far that's all i gotta say about that for now on to happier topics. It looks like the Baltimore Ravens are on the board now, and at number 25, they've got their plethora of players that they can select. And boy, did they select a good one. Uh, he's currently injured on the roster right now, but uh, his productivity in college was unrivaled, and he's the first wide receiver taken off the board here. He is Marquise Hollywood Brown out of the Big 12, Mr. Oklahoma himself. I'm pretty proud of this pick. Uh, this is a good punt returner. This is a good kick returner. This is a great wide receiver. This is hands. This is the cousin of uh, Antonio Brown. So hopefully you've got all of the attributes of Antonio Brown, except for the diva characters. Although when you have a nickname of Hollywood, it's bound to come. So the Ravens are going to have to put him in an environment where the situation doesn't explode like it does for Antonio Brown. Hopefully the Ravens are a bit of a better organization than the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to find that out in the coming years with this kid on the field. And I'm hoping that we finally have a number one receiver here in Baltimore that we drafted as opposed to having to go to free agency or trade because it's been hell in Baltimore at the wide receiver position ever since the inception over 20 years ago. Now with 25 of the best players off the board, the Indianapolis Colts decided, meh, going to trade out of the first round. So that they did. They found a partner with the Washington Redskins and the Redskins traded up to number 26 and decided 
they were going to make a little bit of a controversial move here. And they chose a player who originally was a first round talent before his diagnosis of having a heart condition was known to many teams. And a lot of teams after hearing this condition decided that they were going to take him off of their board entirely because they didn't want somebody like this on their board. Now I'm talking, of course, about defensive end Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. So this gentleman here is one hell of a pass rusher, and honestly, he's a top 20 talent in my opinion. Uh, great hands, great technique, uh, can really pull in his uh, hand to the ground if need be on the defensive end. Position of a 4-3, he could stand up vertically in a 3-4 defense. He can really get past your typical left tackle, your typical right tackle, no matter which side. He can probably rush it up the center, too, and be a defensive tackle if need be and really plow over a center if he has to uh, get to the quarterback. Great pass rusher. Um, not so great in coverage, in my opinion, but then again, do you know many pass rushers that are great in coverage? Uh, come on now. So they took him here. Uh, it was noted before the draft just before the draft that one of the team doctors came out and said yeah you were misdiagnosed this is not a heart issue at all you you don't have any heart issues but this didn't get to all of the teams in time and the teams just had to go off their draft boards but apparently it got to the washington redskins just in time for them to go ahead and make the trade up and try to get this kid so honestly it sounds like they could have went into the third fourth fifth sixth seventh round and got Montez Sweat much later, but they decided I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to go ahead and take Montez Sweat in the first round and I'm going to trade up to get him. So that's what they did. And not a bad move by the Washington Redskins. I think they could have stayed pat and got him in the second round. Just my thoughts, but it was a, uh, they got a pretty good pass rusher and hopefully he stays healthy and is able to do something for that team. His Lord knows the Washington Redskins need some help in every position. Oakland Raiders are back on the board at number 27. They got this pick from the Dallas Cowboys when they traded Amari Cooper over there. So they decided to go safety at this position. Once again, I think that both of the safeties that were taken in the first round could have been picked up in the second round if they just would have been a little more patient. But no, we're going to go ahead and reach for the stars here. And uh, they definitely reached out here as they got Jonathan Abram, the strong safety out of Mississippi State. So two picks in a row came out of Mississippi State, two sec players. It's pretty awesome. But uh, I think they, both of these picks were both reaches. Um, one, for the reasons of the health conditions, they could have got him in a much later round. And the second one here, Jonathan Abram, and he could have gone in the second, possibly the third round, in my opinion. He, he's definitely... Not the player that Darnell Savage is as far as the safety position is, but then again, Darnell Savage is a strong safety, as a uh, free safety, and um, Jonathan Abram is a strong safety. So it's it's kind of like apples and oranges in this point. It's they're still fruit, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta group them together as far as being a defensive back. So this guy uh, probably couldn't cover a cat turd in a litter box, in my opinion. But Jonathan Abram, great strong safety down in the box. Uh, who can get it done as far as tackling and uh, stopping the running back. And he can possibly cover some of the like slot receivers and the tight ends and whatnot. But I wouldn't trust him every down to be the free-ranging safety. And it sounds like the Oakland Raiders need a free-ranging safety, but they very well might be getting somebody who's just, just a strong safety, somebody down in the box or the backup safety to the uh, free safety. So I don't think... Oakland made a great and wise choice here. Surprise, third one in a row. 
Now, on the other hand, we got the L.A. Chargers on the board next at number 28, and they made what I thought was a pretty good pick. They got Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, uh, defensive tackle. But the only thing that I have a problem with, and anybody who knows me personally knows that I have an affinity against, uh, I'm sorry, not an affinity against, a disfinity, I should say, for players that go to Notre Dame. I feel like they are softer players just coming out of the draft. Any body that ever comes out of Notre Dame with the exception of uh, Joe Montana really is just a soft player. I, I'm looking at my own draft history here with the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. They selected Ronnie Stanley. Who's been a very finesse type of player. And it's just amazing that uh, having a quote unquote franchise left tackle, he, he can't stay on the field for 17 games. He's just, it's impossible. He's very soft. He's very weak. And I, I'm actually kind of surprised that we picked up his fifth year option. So players that come out of Notre Dame typically are, in my opinion, a bit weaker. Maybe this defensive tackle will be a, a bit of a breath of fresh air as far as that is concerned. But on film, Jerry Tillery looks pretty damn good uh, rushing up the center, uh, bulldozing centers and guards so that he can get to the run game and stop them. He got a couple sacks up the center. Uh, he can swing to nose tackle. He can be a defensive end if need be. I wouldn't rely on him to be a defensive end, especially in a 4-3, but I would uh, definitely rely on him to be either a nose tackle or a defensive tackle in general. So keep an eye on this kid. Um, he very well could be a bust out of Notre Dame, but he very well could break the mold as far as Notre Dame is concerned. The CLC Hawks are finally going to draft for the first time tonight in this draft, and uh, they went to the Texas Christian University to select L.J. Collier, defensive end. So this Big 12 player was a pretty decent pass rusher. His sack total wasn't really up there as far as the elite pass rushers, but he was uh, he was he was pretty good, and he very well could fit this four three defense that. Uh, Pete Carroll has, and I could see him doing uh, pretty phenomenal things, especially if Pete Carroll has his way of things. That Seattle defense is a very interesting defense. It's not your typical 4-3 defense, and the co uh, corners and the free safety and the strong safety all play different coverages and do different covering of players every time they get on the field. So it's going to be interesting to see how this pass rusher does. They're going to probably require him to go into pass coverage as far as like dropping back as opposed to pushing forward. That'll be an occasional thing in my opinion, but this pass rusher could very well possibly do that. He isn't like your typical pass rusher that mostly does pass rushing moves and doesn't drop into pass coverage. He can actually drop into pass coverage if need be. So look for this TCU player. Uh, when you're seeing Seattle Seahawks games this season, I know that the Ravens have got to go up to Seattle and face them this season. So I'm going to be watching for this player in particular. I would imagine he's going to be a day one starter, in my opinion, especially since he was chosen in the first round. Now, speaking of Seattle, they were supposed to have back to back picks, but they chose LJ Collier and then they decided with the number 30 pick. Now, bear with me here and stay with me on this one. The original pick was from New Orleans. OK, they traded that to Green Bay so they can move up in the draft last year. Green Bay then decided this year they wanted to move up to get Darnell Savage, so they traded that pick to Seattle. And then Seattle traded their number 30 pick to the New York Giants so that the New York Giants could select DeAndre Baker, the cornerback out of Georgia. This is a 2018 Thorpe Award winner. Uh, personally, in my opinion, not the best corner, not even a uh, top 
four, in my opinion, as far as corners in the draft. I think uh, New York Giants, once again, for the third time tonight, just like the Oakland Raiders, bungled this draft. They could have stayed pat and probably got this player. The best defensive back, in my opinion, in this whole draft was the third one taken, uh, the best corner, I should say, the third one taken tonight, and that was uh, Rocky Sin. And he was out of Temple, and he was taken by the Indianapolis Colts. So I think the Indianapolis Colts got a steal in the second round out of Rocky Sin. I think he's the best cover corner who can cover anybody. I'd say 66% of the uh, earth is covered in water, and the other 33% is covered by Rocky Sin. That's just my thoughts on how good that kid is. So we're going to see how good this kid is when he gets on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium and the various visiting teams, and we'll see what he can do. But in his college tape, I can tell you, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the kid's got far less ugly than he has good. So I'm looking at the tape and he's got some pretty good coverage skills and I've got to admit that I'm pretty impressed. He could probably be put into a safety position if asked to be. I would look for him to play uh, probably the backup corner at this point uh, beyond the starter corner, not necessarily the guy that's going to cover your Antonio Brown or your Odell Beckham Jr. I would look for him day one to be the second string guy. So the guy playing the other uh, wide receiver, he's got to get his speed up. Uh, he didn't necessarily want one of the greatest um, 40s in history. So I think he's got to get his endurance up. He's got to get his speed up. He's got to get uh, prepared for a 16 game season, much like all these other guys are since they played 14 games in college. So look for Rocky Sin to do a great job. But back to DeAndre Hop, uh, DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. Bad pick. Moving on. Uh, number 31 in the draft was the Atlanta Falcons who got this pick out of the LA Rams hands. The LA Rams have been rumored to want to trade their pick all night long. And honestly, before this, they wanted to get out of that. So they uh, traded off with the Atlanta Falcons who selected a Pac-12 player in Caleb McGarry, uh, the offensive tackle out of Washington. So they had already chosen a guard earlier on in this draft with their own pick. And now they've got another day one starter at offensive tackle and Imagine what's going to happen. I already talked about this earlier when they try to do the running lanes and they've got this new guard, this new tackle. They're finally able to open up a huge gashing running lane for uh, Devontae Freeman to run up. It's going to help out in the run game immensely. And then Matt Ryan is going to have time to actually sit and think in the passing game. So that team's going to be dangerous next year. They could have used the help on defense, though. That team is a defensive dumpster fire. And after two or three people went down last year, it was good night Atlanta Falcons. So they need some new starters. They need some depth as far as uh, their defense is concerned. So I would look at some trades happening this offseason, some people being picked up. There's still Ziggy Ansa out there and Domica Sue. Imagine just signing those two to the Atlanta Falcons. That team would go back to the Super Bowl and probably lose to the New England Patriots again. So look forward to seeing this offensive tackle on the field. I'm not necessarily going to be watching him in particular. I'm probably going to be watching the team in particular because I would expect them to be one of the higher powered offenses once again in the NFL, especially with Steve Sarkeesian out of the picture. They can finally go back to, uh, I believe it's Dirk Cutter as the uh, offensive coordinator out there in um Atlanta. So that offense has been proven to work and they're probably going to go and try to implement things that Kyle Shanahan did for the team so that they're able to figure out 
that run game again, figure out that pass game again, and really get in sync with the alternations. And it's really going to be interesting to see the Atlanta Falcons raise back up into domination on the offensive front. Defense are probably still going to give up just as many points, if not more. So it's going to be interesting for the Atlanta Falcons this offseason and going into the preseason. Wrapping up the first round was the New England Patriots surprise. Uh, with Enkeel Harry, the wide receiver out of Arizona State. This is a slot receiver, guys. And let's face facts. With the New England Patriots, you're looking at the slot receiver and the tight end as your primaries. So this should be a, a good fit for the New England Patriots. I was surprised they didn't trade out of it and try to get more picks, like the typical Bill Belichick thing to do. But I'm more surprised they went wide receiver because we haven't seen a wide receiver being taken in the early rounds, first or second in a long time. But this is somebody that Tom Brady is going to really love to hook up with. And he's going to uh, definitely do what he can to get this wide receiver all up to speed. And we may see the last of Julian Edelman after this season, to be honest with you. This may be the guy that takes over for the slot receiver position moving forward. But then again, we might have seen the last Tom Brady after this season coming up. I don't know. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting for sure to see what's going to happen with Tom Brady's future with Julian Edelman's future. If Tom Brady's gone, I would expect Julian Edelman to be gone just because the next uh, quarterback to come in is probably not going to use the slot as much as Tom Brady. They're probably going to develop an offense specifically for this new quarterback to come in. Speaking of which, the quarterback that came in. Um, was a later round pick in the fourth round. He was Auburn's own Jarrett Stidham. So he's an SEC player. Um, don't know too much about him, but it seems like if he was taken in the fourth round, he very well might be the next guy on the list because you know for damn sure it's not going to be Brian Hoyer. So they've got to figure out what they're going to be doing for the future. They very well might have found their guy in the fourth round, but how long is he going to be sitting on the bench for? Is Belichick getting impatient with Tom Brady? Is he saying, look, kid, you're losing a step you're losing your speed you're losing your ability to stay in the pocket and throw the football you're losing your legs let's face facts when a quarterback goes down as far as his legs are concerned and he isn't able to do the scrambling and moving up in the pocket that's the first sign of things to go and that's what tom brady had last year he his legs were not as mobile as they were in years prior he wasn't able to rush up into the pocket step forward reset himself and then throw the ball down the field he was getting tackled a lot he was getting sacked a lot so Tom Brady has got to be coming up into the twilight of his years. I would look for him to have his last season this season. If I was, if I had a gun to my head right now, I'd say that's what it was. I'd say this is going to be his last season. I think it's going to be Julian Edelman's last season as a Patriot. I think Julian Edelman is going to move on to another team and not be anywhere near as good as he was with New England. So that concludes the first round of the draft. Let's just talk about some of the steals I found that they had uh, teams had acquired in the second round. Uh, first one that comes to mind, obviously, I talked about this earlier, was Rocky Sin out of Temple. Also talked about this one earlier, Drew Locke, the quarterback uh, out of Missouri. So two great picks who could have been first rounders, should have been first rounders, in my opinion. And then two tackles that I actually did watch film on, and I thought they were better tackles than some of the tackles in the first round, were Greg Little going to the Carolina Panthers out of Ole Miss and Cody Ford out of Oklahoma going to the Buffalo Bills. I think those guys have got their solid tackles uh, for the years to come 
franchise tackles at either left or right tackle, in my opinion. Both of them could play both positions if need be. So look forward to uh, seeing those two in the future. I'm not, like I said, not necessarily going to be watching film every week on the tackles, but I'm going to be watching the teams all together and seeing how they perform as far as the run in the pass game is concerned. So that was certainly two picks that I saw that should have been first rounders, but leaked out into the second round. And good for those two teams on getting those two picks. Another pretty good steal was by the Cleveland Browns in the second round. They didn't have a first round pick this year because they traded their pick away for Odell Beckham Jr., which is still a stunner of a move in my opinion, but good for Cleveland to get Odell Beckham Jr. So they had their first pick in the second round and they got the cornerback Creedy Williams out of LSU. So uh, that pick also traded from Washington to Indianapolis and then to Cleveland. So bear with me on that one. I'm sorry. Had to uh, just set the scope for you. But Greedy Williams is also a pretty good corner, um, pretty good coverage, pretty good man coverage, pretty good press coverage. He can uh, defend the field as well, um, as well as any other, I should say. And he's he did a great job in college. And I'm really looking forward to I'm going to watch his film in the uh, coming years and see how well he does for the team. And the Cleveland Browns were really set uh, as far as other positions are concerned on the defensive roster, but at corner, they had some uncertainty ever since they got rid of uh, Joey. What's his nuts. And that guy went over to Pittsburgh. So um, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with them for that pick. That was very smart on their half, but as a Baltimore Ravens fan, I got to say, I'm pretty pissed off about that one. I kind of wish that it wouldn't have happened because now we got to face this fucker twice a year possibly three times a year if both teams makes, makes the playoffs. So that was another steal in the draft. And um, got two more I want to mention. And uh, one being A.J. Brown, uh, wide receiver out of Ole Miss, going to the Tennessee Titans. Titans definitely need some offensive firepower. They aren't getting much out of uh, who they have drafted over the years and who they have signed. Eric Decker was a pretty big failure. Um, Corey forgetting his last name that's how much of a failure he's been so far so um they really don't have too many good players on the offense got some decent play out of running backs but you can't just rely on the run game and the short pass game you got to have some wide receivers that can spread the field and go down the field uh and aj brown i think is going to be a good one and i think he's going to do a great job for the tennessee titans if the offense is correct and if their uh quarterback Marcus Mariota can actually get the job done and throw it down the field. It's got to have some time to think. And quite frankly, I'm not sure beyond this year, Marcus Mariota is going to be the guy at quarterback. We're going to see how things turn out. But for now, AJ Brown to Tennessee Titans, good move by the Tennessee Titans. And the last pick I wanted to talk about was um, actually a pretty good steal. I was hoping the Ravens would trade back into the second round as they had traded away their second round pick last year. So they can get Lamar Jackson. But, um, Eric McCoy, center out of Texas A&M. This is another mauler. This is only the second center taken in the draft, but this is a guy who can really just bum rush people and really in the run game block people up and he can one-on-one with a defensive tackle. He can one-on-one with an inside linebacker and really open up the field for the running back to uh, cruise control down the field and do whatever he needs to do. Pass coverage, he's not as good as he is in run coverage, but... um. I should say run protection and pass protection, but 
he is pretty damn good with the run uh pass he'll work on i'm sure but in the meantime they the new orleans saints are losing max unger to retirement so they definitely needed somebody and i think they found there's somebody in eric mccoy to help solidify that offensive line and give drew breeze the time of day that he needs to start throwing the ball down the field again so we're going to see how that turns out and i'm very happy for the new orleans saints to be able to get that player that they needed all right, I've been rambling for about a half an hour now about uh, just the second half of the first round and some of the surprise picks and some of the uh, steals in the second round. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here this week. I'm looking to have next week having a guest back on the program so that I can uh, do some more interviewing and whatnot and try to get some co-hosts and uh, move forward with the podcast, try to make this podcast the best fucking podcast out there. Appreciate you guys sticking with me. Like, share, subscribe, give us a rating, please. And uh, thank you very much for listening this week. We'll see you all next week. And until then, have a great weekend and have a great one next week as well. Talk to you all soon.